Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. I think my favorite moment so far tonight is when Omar said, I don't know what I walked into, but it's good. <laughs> I love that. Tonight, we are going to begin just five weeks on the book of Lamentations. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I kind of jumped into this as I was lamenting the fact that someone else was going to rent this building out. Uh, but it's, we went through the book of Lamentations back in 2012. It was actually four years ago, which kind of, I remember going through it. I don't know if you guys remember going through it, but I remember going through it. I never thought I would go through the book of Lamentations twice, um, but I think it is something that is really important. It's an important part to our health. It's important for us to be healthy people, to be healthy in a community. And, you know, the idea of lamenting is more than just crying. It actually is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And the key is an, a, a passionate expression. So it's not just a, an expression, but it's an expression that has depth to it. It's an expression that has a lot of emotion to it. To lament is to be able to kind of take what's inside of you, open up the rib cage, and just pour it out. And it's something that is very important because how we grieve determines who we become. If you don't grieve, if you don't lament, if you don't have passion to be sorry for things that happen to others or to you, then what happens is you start to become numb. You start to become calloused to emotion overall. Now something happens that's difficult and you don't know how to deal with it because you've closed off that part of your life to giving into that. And we, especially in the Western world, have leaned in that direction. 
at funerals. We talked about this before. When you go to a funeral, usually in the United States, everyone sits down, everyone's quiet. There might be some tears, but then someone will get up and start giving a eulogy, talking about the person who passed away, and they'll get choked up, and then they'll say, I'm sorry. You're sorry? Why are you sorry that someone you loved has passed away? You should not have to apologize because you are moved with emotion because someone important to you is gone. But we feel this need, it's a a sign of being out of control, just being choked up. But you see, lamenting is to allow the sorrow to take control and to express itself. And if we don't allow that to happen, we start to lose the ability to care. And that's a problem when we stop caring, when we stop being touched by the hurt of others and the things that hurt us. It's a problem when we can't allow those things to be seen in us or through us. Brene Brown in her book, Daring Greatly, talks a lot about vulnerability. And the need to be vulnerable is the pathway to living a whole life, a a life that is healthy. And when you're not vulnerable because you're afraid of getting hurt, you also close off the pathway to being able to love because you can't love without being vulnerable. And then you also lose the ability to connect with other people. You can't just shut off this one area of emotion and it not affect all these areas of emotion. And the same thing is true with this lamenting. If you start to say, well, I'm not gonna show any signs of emotion, what you're doing is actually callousing yourself to all these other areas and we don't even realize it. And, and so it's something that I think I've been learning and it's been something that's been very important to me to be able to show expression, to be able to, to feel these things and not have to apologize for them, to be able to hurt when people hurt, to be able to step into that pain and not try and fix it, not try and get them to stop feeling hurt. You should feel hurt. Someone you love has passed away. You found out that you had cancer. You should be hurt. You should be devastated. It should emotionally impact you. And I need to be willing to step into that emotion with you and be uncomfortable with you and allow it to take its course. But we like to say, oh, it's gonna be okay. God knows. Lord has something better for you. They're in a better place. We have all those things. And I'm not saying there isn't truth in those things, but they become this pathway to get you from where you're expressing this emotion to where you'll stop expressing it instead of allowing the expression to fully take place. And when we don't do that, it hinders us and who we are. Now, Lamentations, a series of poems, it's five different poems. Most believe it's written by Jeremiah, but they believe it might be written by a number of authors. They're acrostic in nature, and what that means is every verse 
began with the letter of the Jew Hebrew alphabet. So there was 22 letters essentially in the alphabet. And so in chapters one, two, four, and five, there's 22 verses. And I think it's chapter three that there's 66 verses because they go through this three times. And Jerusalem has just been devastated by Babylon. The tribe of Judah was living in Jerusalem. That was the largest tribe of the Hebrew people. The other tribes that were outside of Jerusalem didn't suffer the way they did here. But now the the city has been laid waste. But there are people who are left after their families have been taken, after their houses have been destroyed, after their crops had been burned, after this devastation, they are left in the rubble of what was the life they used to know. And when your life is gone and you're left with just these empty places, how do you express it? Some people have said that it was Jeremiah actually standing on a hill Actually, they say it was Golgotha where Christ died, looking out at the city of Jerusalem, and he was writing this from that place. But I don't know if that's true, but it sounded good. Um, But anyway, it's talking about this heartache. This happened around the year 500, and, and these are poems. They're meant to be poetic. There are three characters in these poems. There's the narrator who speaks much of the time. Then there's a woman, and then there's a man. One of the things interesting about this is it's almost like God is on trial. And God doesn't speak. All that speaks is the lamenting, which again, I believe is intentional. There was a lot of struggle on whether this should be put into the sacred writings because of that fact. But it was believed that this is such an important part of our humanity that it had to be included because this is a genuine response. And so in verse one of chapter one, we'll go through the first three verses. It says, how deserted lies the city once full of people. How like a widow is she? who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is none, no one to comfort her. All her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. Here the narrator is giving this image of a woman. The city is presented in, again, this poetic way of this woman who has just been devastated. And even in verse three, where it says, she dwells among the nations, she finds no resting place. Land was very important at this time in culture. Land was everything. It's where your family was. It's where your provisions came from. It was your inheritance. It was your security. It was even connected to your religion. 
the God of this area. I don't know if you remember when Naaman, the leper, who was the chief of the Assyrian army, went and was healed of leprosy by the prophet Elijah. And when he was going back to Syria, he asked if he could take some dirt with him so that he could go back and he could worship because it was believed that the, the land itself contained that kind of spiritual properties. They, they believed where that place was, was where the God of that place dwelled. And so land was everything, but here there is no resting place. They are in exile. Judah has gone into exile. Exile is when you are far from home. And it's, of course, geographically, you're far from home, but you can actually be spiritually far from home, where you are detached from the place where you should be. And what do you do when the place that has always been home is no longer home? When what was familiar to you is lost. And you see, that, that can fit so many places in our lives. Of course, it can be when you lose someone you love. You lose a father, a mother, a brother, sister, husband, wife, child. Something that was familiar and was so much a part of your life for so many years, and all of a sudden it's gone. There is this exile almost. There is this missing of what was there. There is an emptiness because there was a place that was home for you that is no longer there. And what we miss when we lose someone we love is something that was within us that found comfort in them. It really is us longing for what we had. And it is a type of exile. And you see, recognizing those things, accepting those things, is important for us. Not trying to make little of them, not trying to get past the emotions so that we could feel better. Because then what happens is the emotion never fulfills itself in our lives and it, it starts to develop problems within us. When Soldiers go through difficult situations. They lose their comrades. They, they lose their fellow brothers in arms. They have to suck it up and they have to keep moving on. They grieve, but they can't give in to that grief because they have to continue doing the job and they have to shut down that emotion so that they can continue going and there's the possibility that others are going to also suffer that fate. And so you can't deal with that, so you have to push forward. But then when you come home, all kinds of things happen. That's where you get the PTSD because all of a sudden it's like, how do I deal with all that I went through when I wasn't able to deal with it? And you see, a healthy spirituality is always honest about your response to the experience. Healthy spirituality for us as people, a healthy expression of what our experiences were helps us to move forward. And if we close down the emotion, then we spiritually are, again, constraining ourselves so that we can't fully 
be alive. They can't fully live in these things. I remember when I became a Christian, I was sharing my testimony, talking about how I came to faith and I shared how these people came up to me and shared the Lord with me and I was, you know, into all these things and I was doing drugs and stuff and and that they didn't try and convince me to stop doing drugs. They just really cared for me and loved me and how God started pulling me out of that life and into a life that was better. And it was very natural progression for me. And I remember sharing that, and, and a couple of brothers came up to me afterwards, and they said, we, can we talk to you? And I said, sure. And they said, well, we want to talk to you about what you shared. I said, okay. And they said, well, look at here in the scripture. It doesn't happen that way. And I was like, okay. Well, it did happen that way. I was there. It happened to me. And that's how it happened. Well, no, the Bible says it happens like this. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you but it didn't happen like that. It happened like this. And they kept going about, well, where does the Bible say that? I said, I wasn't trying to tell you what the Bible says. I was trying to tell you what happened to me. And it was almost like if you're going to be a part of this group, then you have to ignore these things as they actually happen and start towing the line of what we believe. And pretty soon the emotion of all the things that happen have to fit into the institution that is presented there. And it's like, wait a second. So I have to deny the reality of my life to be in line with what God says? Does that seem right? Does that seem healthy? Something doesn't seem to jive there. And it was really interesting because I kept saying, that's not what happened. And they said, well, the Bible says, I know what you're saying, but I'm just telling you the reality of the situation. And it was almost like I had to deny reality to believe in this form of religion. And you see, I think a lot of times that can happen. And pretty soon people start changing what they experience so they can fit into what the belief system is. Oh no, I can't share that because what if it doesn't go along with this? You see, healthy spirituality is an accurate expression of your experiences. It is. And then people will say, well, no, you know, you always, it's always... You know, you always have to go through the things that how the scripture says, and you can't allow your emotions at all to determine what happens. I don't know anyone who can live that way. Our emotions determine so much of what we do, whether you're angry, whether you're cheerful when you go to work. You think of uh, Peter when he was in Acts chapter 10, and he was on the rooftop, and the, the Lord appeared to him in that vision and said, Peter, kill and eat. The law told him, no, don't eat. But this dream that he had received from God said, don't call anything that I have cleansed unclean. There was actually an experience that moved him to take the gospel to the Gentile. What do you do with that? Just throwing that out there. It was an actual experience. Okay, it doesn't mean we live by emotion. It doesn't mean we live by experience. It doesn't mean that we just give in to those things, but we don't ignore them. We don't deny them. We don't pass them away and say, well, they don't matter. They do matter. They do 
affect us and God uses them to direct us. You shouldn't have to apologize for your emotions, for your frustrations, or for how things really are and how you really feel those things. You shouldn't have to apologize for how you feel. You might have to apologize for how you react later on. I'm sorry I was angry and I said some things that I shouldn't have said, but you shouldn't have to be sorry that that situation moved you. If it's a situation that is going to move you, that's again an accurate expectation. And sometimes maybe this, these poems are written actually so that we can be reminded that sometimes the hurt that we experience actually comes from not considering the consequences of our actions. In verse 9, it says, Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. You see, there is a result to what she did that led to this. It was the disobedience of the children to God that opened the opportunity for the Babylonians to come in. And sometimes the hurt and the things that we cry over are the things that we actually allowed to happen to ourselves. And again, it's important to be able to express that. Lamenting is an important expression because how do you get past the regrets and mistakes in your life? How do you move past them? First, you got to deal with them. First, you have to own them, right? I mean, isn't that part of the recovery? You have to take those things and acknowledge. You can't deny, well, no, I'm not an addict. I just use every day because I like to. No, that you're an addict. And you have to acknowledge that. Otherwise, you can't get past it. Jesus said, I didn't come to heal those who were healthy, but, or the doctor isn't for those who are healthy, but it's the sick who need the physician. I didn't come to call the righteous, but the unrighteous to repentance. There has to be an acknowledgement to those things that are wrong. And you see that lamenting is a recognition of what is wrong. And it's good to cry over the wrong that you have done. It's good to hurt when you have hurt people. Because if you will weep over what you have done, then it can actually keep you from doing it again. Because hurt people continue to hurt people. And so lamenting over the mistakes of your life is important. You see, what lamenting does is it names what is wrong, what is out of order in God's world, and what keeps us from thriving. Lamenting gives a name to this. I am crying because of this. I am hurt because of this. I am giving it a name. I am devastated because you did this to me. I am just overwhelmed because I have lost my job. I am feeling this way because I have lost my son. I am feeling this way. I'm going through this because I experienced a divorce. I am experiencing these things because of this thing. And it names it. And by naming it, now you see what it is and you're actually able to deal with it more completely. It's important that we're able to give a name to those things 
so that we can give the expression the direction it needs. In Psalm 137.1, it says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. We remembered what we had and we're crying because it's gone. I'm remembering that person who I loved and I'm hurt because he's gone now. I remember the, the experience that this happened to me and I'm crying because of how it hurt and how it wounded me. I'm giving it a name, I'm seeing it, I'm recognizing it and now I am actually taking the power of that situation and being in control of it even though it's through the lamenting. You're now in charge instead of it having this undertow in your life. And again, sometimes institutions, sometimes families, even churches often have this unwritten code of what you can and can't talk about. You know, can you talk about your weaknesses, your struggles? You know, can Christian leaders talk about their lack of faith, their struggle with greed or with lust? Can they be open about these things without being judged? Is there some unwritten law that you have to toe this line, you have to present yourself in this way so that you can go on living the way we want you to live? And as soon as you break down, as soon as you cross that line, you will get the judgment. And you see, again, lamenting is supposed to be an accurate expression of your life's experience. I should grieve over the things that are wrong in my life. I should be able to say, man, I've been struggling just with this situation or I'm struggling in my family or my wife and I've had struggles. I, I remember talking about some of the struggles that Corrine and I had and someone coming up to me and saying, I didn't think you guys had any struggles. It's like, why would you think that? And there was this idea that you guys don't really struggle, do you? I said, I don't, but she does sometimes. <laughs> no, of course we struggle. And being honest helps people to say, well, that's what I go through too. And it's important that you be able to talk about those things. That's what's wonderful about the scripture is it's honest, brutally so. And so if people feel they can never do those things because you never do those things, it stifles their ability. And pretty soon when they have doubts, they can't express them. And pretty soon they just think they're not good enough, they're not strong enough. I can't live out this faith like you guys do. And so I'm going to leave it. And it's all because people aren't being genuine. I mean, this is a place where broken people get together and find strength and hope in a God who reconciles, in a God who regenerates, in a God who gives life, in a God who brings healing because we are broken, because we are hurt, because we do struggle. That's what we are about. We're not going to paint it to look like it's something else. It needs to be real. So that when someone walks in here, they says, I'm, I can relate to this. I understand that. That's why Jesus was so appealing. He spoke about things that they understood. 
It wasn't how you live well enough. It was about God wanting to live where you are and changing us there. In its complaint, anger, grief, lamentations, it protests the conditions that prevent us from thriving. And and this resistance, if we resist it, it will actually stop healing. But if we will allow the expression to take place in these areas where we failed, in these areas that we struggle, in these areas that we hurt, then we can actually find the healing. A lot of what takes place in therapy is finding out the root of your healing or your hurt because the healing has to come from where the root is. And so if you were abused, well, maybe we need to deal with that because you've buried it for years. And you say, oh, I don't need that anymore. That's been years ago. It's not. Well, it's affecting you today. The reason you're so close to the people who you love is because you were so hurt by the people you loved years ago and you haven't recognized it. You haven't dealt with it. And so healing has to come and it does come through the ability to process these things because lamenting is refusing to be silent. I love that. You see, it's, it's not going to allow it to be quenched. It's going to pour out what's inside. And so lamenting can be a protest. It can be outrage to injustice. You're, you're crying about the injustice of a government or a, a, a political system. It, it has a voice. It doesn't just say, oh, well, God knows. No, it cries out and it says, I don't like this. This is hurting us. This is hurting people. It can be grief caused by the pain or loss, but it cannot be kept silent. Lamenting will not be quenched. It is the choking up that finally breaks out and actually weeps. And some of us just need to break down and be able to cry about the things that are happening or have happened to us, situations that we're in, the things that we're feeling, it's okay to cry. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to show these expressions at times. Of course, it has to be done in a way that isn't going to hurt others and in a way that's proper, but the expression itself is okay. And we need to realize that. To lament is to make progress to a healthier you. To lament is to give a voice and to move forward, to be open, to be honest to this honest spirituality. It may disrupt the situation. When someone speaks up, there are situations in families where someone has been perhaps abused And the family gets together and it's just no one talks about it. 
And then finally someone says, uh, excuse me, I need to say this, that I was abused as, as a child by uncle so-and-so, and I need to get it out. And everyone's saying, oh man, there goes Thanksgiving. You just ruined our Thanksgiving dinner. Now we got to talk about this. That's right. We've got to talk about this because we're not going to sit here around Thanksgiving dinner and pretend it didn't happen. And so it disrupts everything. Or in a situation of faith, you know, you have a church and there's, you know, they're doing all the churchy things and someone says, excuse me, I have a problem with this area. I feel like our money is being squandered and we're not doing anything to, to reach people around us. And you say something like that, and then all of a sudden everyone gets mad at you. You know, hey, who are you? You're, you're going against the system. You're, you're bucking the authority. You, you shouldn't be talking about the pastor or the leadership like that. Why can't I express those things? Why do I have to be silent? Why can't I go to someone and say, I'm worried about this? It's an actual expression. It, it is caring about something so much that it won't be silent. And it has to come out. Maybe you need to lament something here in your life. Maybe you need to lament the loss of someone that you've loved. Maybe you need to lament a situation that you're in with some of the people that you're in. Maybe you need to lament a divorce, something that has happened to you that has caused hurt to you. Maybe you need to lament a physical condition, ailment that you're going through because this lament is actually the pathway towards health, your ability to feel whole again, to feel free from whatever that burden is. And so God has seen fit to give us a series of poems that are all about pouring out what's in us. Next week, we're going to look as the woman begins to speak. Because the first thing that she says is look. And throughout this, it's going to be look at what has happened. Look at what has happened. See me. And you see what our lamenting cries out for more than an answer is for someone to actually see what is happening. And that's really important. That's going to be important. Let's pray. Lord, it is freeing to know that this emotion of lament is something that you are able to embrace, that is something that you are able to share in, that is something that you are able to help us through. It, it is comforting to know that it, it's not weakness. It's comforting to know that when we do hurt or grieve, that it is human and it is natural. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are here who maybe been touched in some area where we, we've put on that front and we don't get hurt and we don't cry and we don't allow things to, to touch us the way that they should, may you slowly start to bring healing. Lord, may you soften up those areas that have been hardened over time. May you bring healing in 
the form of conversation, in the form of uh, identification, in, in some way, Lord, might there be even the slightest expression of, you know what, I have that. And Lord, sometimes just that smallest step opens the biggest doors. And so I pray that you would do that. Lord, what I desire through this series is healing, understanding how to bring expression, understanding how to enter into areas that maybe we've been closed to. And I pray you would open, Lord, those floodgates of lamenting and passion and caring in whatever way they show up, God. And we do ask this in Jesus' name. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.